today on the Tearsheet Podcast. From there, the very first thing we did was um, some pretty extensive research. So, um, you know, it was it started just in the post-COVID period. So we were doing a lot of online interviews. We did billboard interviews, you know, 6,000 responses, 16 hours of video, um, and really dug in with some ethnographies to get inside of the customer life to understand how they lived, what was important to them, um, and what they needed from a financial services provider. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. I really enjoy talking to marketers, especially about rebrands. For me, the process a firm goes through when it rebrands is incredibly insightful for the team, for customers, and for partners. Successful fintechs can grow so quickly that when they rebrand or even refresh their brands, it forces them to slow down, to take stock, and look at who they really want to be when they grow up. Today's guest on the podcast is Brittany Williams, Chief Marketing Officer at Earnin. My pronunciation is purposeful. Part of the rebrand the firm with Earned Wage Access at its core just underwent meant even looking at its own name differently. Britt and I discussed the customer research that went into the new brand and what it showed about Americans living paycheck to paycheck. We talk about the use of a brand muse and what that can do to help focus marketing and product. We also chat about how the firm expanded the aperture of its value proposition to include helping people with financial anxiety and what that enables the firm and brand to do going forward. Brittany Williams is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Great. So who are you and what do you do? Hi, um, I'm Britt Williams and I am the CMO of Earn In. Great. And we're here to talk about uh, a pretty big rebrand. So um, let's let's take a step back. Like, let's first hear about how you, how you position Earn In and and um, what prompted, I guess, the thinking around doing a rebrand. Yeah. So we are a company who's about nine years old. Um, so we've been around for a minute. But you know, when I came into the role a couple of years ago, I thought this is like the best kept secret in fintech because a lot of people didn't know about earn in. Um, so that was really just part of the role in me coming on board. Um, I think that the company was ready to really make a bigger statement um, and jump in. Uh, so you knew when you were hired that this was this was in the on the books. Yes, I did. And I was really excited to take on the challenge. <laughs> and so what was what in your background um, when you were going through the, I guess, recruiting process? Uh, I guess, points to the fact that you were the person to do this rebrand. So my previous role was at Uber. Um, and um, while I was there, we actually did two different rebrands. Um, one of them um, more successful than the other. So I think I had a lot of experience in the in the area. And was there talk um, as you were interviewing about the rebrand? Did they ask you for ideas? Um, like, was there thinking, I guess, like pre-thinking that went into it? No, I think that they just knew that they needed to make a bigger splash in the category and so that they were ready to sort of take that step. I think with a lot of fintechs, you know, you build your product and you get it out there and you um, spend a lot of time connecting with customers. And then there's a certain point where you're like, OK, now we need to build a, a brand to get to the next stage of what we want to do. Great. So what, what were some of the first steps you took Britt, towards towards doing the rebrand? I assume there was some customer research that went in. Yeah, so there was a ton of customer research. So we 
We had a pretty um, small marketing team when I joined. So the first thing we did was went out and to find a partner. So we engaged Sterling Brands um, to help us on that journey. And then from there, the very first thing we did was um, some pretty extensive research. So, um, you know, it was it started just in the post-COVID period. So we were doing a lot of online interviews. We did billboard interviews, you know, 6,000 responses, 16 hours of video. Um, and really dug in with some ethnographies to get inside of the customer life to understand how they lived, what was important to them, um, and what they needed from a financial services provider. Uh, was that t- that level of research, had that been done at the firm previously? No, no. This was really a new area for us to really dig in at that level. I think that we always had a pretty good instinctual understanding, um, but to get to some deeper insights that would drive the development of the brand, both the positioning and the strategy, and then how that manifests in the design itself, um, it became really important. We developed what we call a brand muse, right? So who is that like key target customer that represents um, the the customer overall that we want to attract um and what they're looking for in life and so that was the that was sort of the like center mark that we wanted to hit first did you name the brand muse we did we did name the brand muse our brand muse is taylor (laughs) can you tell us about taylor um yeah um taylor is an amazing individual so um it's interesting. I think when people think about people living uh, paycheck to paycheck, there's a lot of misconceptions that go along with that, right? So like there's this idea that maybe people are not as financially responsible as they could be, or maybe they're not paying attention to their finances. Um, we found quite the opposite. So we found that Taylor was using six apps, um, had spreadsheets, spreadsheets. Um, One of our customers actually kept the most amazing whiteboard on his wall where he was tracking all of his finances, like incredibly mindful. And I would say that, you know, for this customer, they know down to the dollar what they have, right? In a way that I mean, I think with some people that are more sort of have more financial resources don't. So I think that was one of the really, really big things for us. Um, The next thing we found is how ambitious this customer is. Like they are incredibly ambitious. Like they have big dreams. There are things that they are working towards um, and um, they're incredibly resourceful, right? So they are figuring out how to get it done um, on a a, like smaller paycheck. And shall, shall I go on? I could talk about Taylor for a long time. Yeah, no, I think this is incredibly interesting. Tell us more about Taylor. Okay, so um, so they're really taking calculated risks, right? So thinking about how they're going to get ahead with their education. We had one customer who was figuring out how to build a treehouse in their backyard so they could Airbnb it. They were balancing those finances in really interesting ways. So um, really, really have a lot of respect for how hard these people are working, how many choices that they are making on a um, day-to-day basis to make it happen. Also, just thinking about like the different types of people that Taylor embodies, Um, you know, there are lots of people who are living paycheck to paycheck that maybe have a retail job, but we found lots of teachers, lots of bank managers, lots of adjunct professors. So many, many, I mean, you know, what do they say, like 63% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So I think that you can't really pigeonhole this customer anymore. Um, And 
when you're faced with a situation like that, right? Like you don't know if you're going to ever get the house, right? Like this is not um, the Dave Ramsey of finance where you are gonna not buy the latte and get ahead anymore, right? Like the, the situation has changed. And so this customer is really looking to live better today and tomorrow. So they're working for those bigger things tomorrow. They have that ambition, they have those needs. Um, but also, you know, it matters if they can go out to dinner on their birthday. It matters if they can have a little bit of, um, the, the higher internet speed was one of the examples that we got. So I think that it's really this idea that like, we need to make sure that people can get on that, um, road, right. To have more, um, financial means and flexibility and freedom, but at the same time, they need to be able to live their lives today in a way that's rewarding. And so I think that that's really, um, important to tailor. And so I think what we wanted to do was make sure that um, we're building a product and a service that provides them with the, that relief from anxiety, gives them those options so that they can take advantage of those opportunities because um, they have a plan. They just need to help some help getting there. Wow. Um, there's a lot to think about there. One of the things that I guess I'd like to ask you to drill deeper on, on Taylor is it sounds a little bit like the Taylor's inclusive of people that um, both want to save money, I guess a spending um, constraint, but also uh, an income constraint. Like this can include people that are, are making more money. I mean, I, I, I know people making six figures that live paycheck to paycheck. So is that, is Taylor inclusive of both those things? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, like, I just think it's such a relatable insight. Like, I know people who make a ton of money, right, but they have a lot of financial anxiety. And I think that is a huge part of the problem that we want to solve for folks is having access to your income actually gets you on a different path. And if we can help on those choices, right, and give you those options, you can get there. So it is, it's a pretty universal insight. And what that universal insight does is it allows us to expand the brand into a wider category and to more audiences, which was a huge part. When I think about like, what are the goals of the rebrand itself, right? Like you want to have a category defining brand um, and you want it to be wide enough to help you go after new folks. And um, this is what that universal insight of solving for financial anxiety does um, is it's incredibly relatable whether you're living paycheck to paycheck or you're making millions of dollars. I think a lot of people struggle in that way. Yeah. Modern society, you know, definitely doesn't help when it comes to uh, managing anxiety around that. And it sounds also a bit like what, what you've done is given the feedback and the insight that you've had for these customers, expanded the purview, the aperture. It sounds like earning is you're now positioning earning as almost like a lifestyle brand. Is that fair to say? I think it's somewhere in between, like we solve a really practical reality and we never want to sort of lose the eye on the prize on that, right? These are people's finances. This is their money. We need to make sure that it's fast, reliable, easy to access, all of those things. Um, but at the same time, um, we definitely want to play a different role in their life and create an emotional connection. Um, I think that brands that make emotional connections with their customers, um, just are, have more longevity, right? And have that emotional resonance. Like when we do the research, we we see that in the numbers. And if, um, I mean, when I think about it, just purely from like, where do we want to be in the world? Like if I can build a brand that actually helps relieve people's anxiety so that they can do what they want in their life, like that's a really big, big deal. 
Yeah. It's a big, yeah, it's a big win. And so um, we're doing it for a lot of business reasons, but I think that we're also doing it because that's how we want to serve the customer. So creating that connection does that. And, you know, you had mentioned savings, like that's the, that's the path that we want to get people on. Like, it's great to have access to your income today. Um, and that does let you spend your money in a different way, but it's about responsible spending so that you have those choices and that you can get on the larger path. So um, if if you want to move into that responsibility setting, does that mean earning over time is going to uh, offer more functionality, I guess, to help people get on that path? Yes. So we have a product right now called, um, it's uh, Tip Yourself. So you can actually set up automated savings um, every single month, but we will be introducing new products and services that really help you along that financial journey. Like I think about it in three steps. So one, um, when you have access to your income, you know, we can help you avoid overdrafts and late fees, right? So like $58 a month is now instead of going to wasted fees, it's going into savings. The next step is really learning like, okay, now I have more income, right? So we see that people who stay on the platform for um, over six months, their incomes go up about 8%, right? So all of a sudden you're not losing money, you're starting to save more money. um, And also at the same time, you have more options. And then from there, it's really, okay, what are the tools and services that we can provide that get you to that bigger thing? Like when we launched the brand, we had an event and we had some customers come in and speak to us. And um, we had one customer who talked about buying a house and how being on the platform for a long time, for several years, you know, it started with that step of just, you know, avoiding those fees. But over time, it really helped him balance things to the point where he was able to buy a house. So I think that's the transition that we want to see our customers take over time. I think often people think of EWA as um, kind of an emergency use case product, but um there's a lot of power in having access to the the money that you already made. Totally. So, so we can talk about what's changed now with, you had this customer research, it informed you to, to, to expand um, the inclusiveness of the brand. Mm-hmm. So when, when, when a new user comes to the site or to the app now, like what, what are they facing? What are they facing? So, um, well, I think that the first thing they'll see is that we have um, a bright, beautiful new app icon and logo. Um, So the logo is actually based in the name. So we changed up the name a little bit. We used to be Earnin, um, and uh, we have changed that to Earnin. And it's a small shift, but also a big one. Um, It's a little bit more grown up. Um, It brings in the idea of being in. With the brand. Um, so, you know, you're you're in for receiving your earnings on time. And it also, I think it solves some pronunciation and grammar issues, right? Like speaking again to that grown up bit. Um, and then they'll see the logo. So the, the logo is actually a manifestation of that idea of being in. We have that beautiful bright yellow. And then we have the, what we call the in button, which is a fun little swipe, right? That shows that you can have options and choices and also for being in. So it almost, it's like, for me, it's an embrace of the brand that I'm, I'm proactively choosing to to be here and take control. Yep. yep. That's exactly right. And it is, it's like, it's that control, you know, and I think about how um, a brand can often so, so often show up and just in the way that you develop your product. So, you know, when you think about um, 
something like a credit card and people now have the option, you know, you can turn that card on or off. Like that's how I think about that in button, you know, that swipe and that control that you have, the choice that you have over your finances, maybe in a way that you didn't have before um, comes to life in the product in many different ways. I love it because it's also like a self-identifier. It's like saying that I'm the type of person that is in, right? It's like, I don't know, that that was one of the things that I noticed when I first saw the new brand, um, both with the, the swipe button as well as with the capital I in the in. Um, it's something like I can choose. And, and, and that feels very empowering to me. That's exactly right. Like, and that's exactly how we want our customers to feel. And that's like when we talked about what is the role of the brand, we said, you know, our role is just to empower our customers. Like they're smart, they're resourceful, they know what they're doing, right? Like Taylor is on his or her way. But we just want to empower them and sort of be like that wind at their back. And we've already always been like a very community focused brand um, and think of, um, you know, the business model itself is based on generosity, right? Like we, we always have a no fee option. You can use the product for free and you have the option to tip. And that has um, always centered us in the idea of being a community brand. Like the tips help support and make the product available for other folks and, um, it's always funny. People are like, well, why would you tip if you could use it for free? But like, this is a customer that knows that other people face this same need. And so they want to support it. And so, um, that idea of being in really does wrap around really nicely also to the idea of community that was part of our founding. Um, in the remaining time that we have, I'm curious, Britt, like what you're doing to get the word out. Obviously you're on this podcast. That's one thing. Um, but like, what do you, how are you doing to, what are you doing to communicate the changes? What are we doing to do? So, um, you know, I would say that the change started at home. So we um, held a like all company um, event where we brought the entire company together for the first time. Um, How many people is that now? Um, we're about 250. So it was a big, it was a big group for us. Um, everyone from all over the globe and we held an all day event where we did brand immersion. We did customer panels. Um, and we spent some time really talking about like how the design of the brand is, um, evidence of, uh, where we want to go in the future. You know, I think that the, the color palette is, has a lot of optimism and joy in it, right? Um, that we want to be a little bit more fun, a little bit more witty, have a little bit more breakthrough. So we wanted to get everybody immersed in the brand and just thinking about how that comes to um, life in their everyday work. Because, you know, it's great to do a brand um it's, it's great to do a rebrand in my experience or that they live and die by the adoption that they get internally. So I think we wanted to take that first step to make sure that um, people were really embracing the brand. And now we're working on a bunch of fun stuff. So if you look at our Instagram account, you will see a lot of changes happening there. Um, I think that the brand is coming to life in a different way. We um, are about to launch something on TikTok this month. We have a new brand campaign coming. So um, the, the, change of the brand also represents like a change in the way that we do our marketing. So we're really investing in the branding um, and ramping up the way that we express that on our own channels. Um, and then in the engagement that we have with our customer, um, we have a lot of fun stuff coming for the summer. Um, I will tease that. <laughs> yeah, excited to, to look out for that. And I, I know having been through these myself over my career, like not everyone deals great with change. And so like, what <laughs> I put that, I was trying to think of a nice way to say that. How have customers that are loyal to the brand, how have they responded to some of the changes? 
Um, this is I this is actually my favorite part. We did a lot, we did a lot internally on on this too, because I was like, you know, I want you to love it, but if you if you don't, that's okay because the brand is for Taylor, right? Like that's who we're targeting. Um, and everyone's gonna have opinions. Um, I have been really, really, really pleasantly surprised. Like we had some customers tweeting at us, we've gotten some really nice comments. Um, you know, it's like we moved to this big bright yellow, right? And it's very different for the category, um, which was incredibly intentional. Um, you know, we got a couple of like funny comments from folks. Um, but in I, I would say at large, it's been incredibly positive. Um, I was I was ready because I know people always have feelings about Rembrandt. So I was I was ready. Um, but I feel like we've been pretty lucky. And then from a business perspective, um, you know, anytime you do a change like this, it can really make a change in the business metrics. Um, and we were really, really watching that. Um, and I'm happy to say that um, things really within two weeks, we were um, not only back to normal, but on an upward trajectory, which I think is a signal that people are really enjoying the new brand. That's awesome. And what what kind of metrics were you looking at to kind of give that feeling? Oh my goodness, everything. Um, we had a, We had a full team monitoring every metric, key metric that we watch for the business. Um, I have to say, like, operationally, it was just uh, pretty incredible to see how the team came together to watch that. You know, we had we had one um, change that we shipped, which was like the it's always the change of a button color, um, I have to say, which is like in my experience, it happens every single time. Um, but we had one change of a button color that had a pretty significant um, impact just into the way that the people were interacting with the product that we shipped, um, you know, within about 24 hours. Um, so, you know, there's always one or two of those things. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty incredible. Brad, it's been great talking. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet podcast. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.